Okay, so today I'm really happy to welcome on the show, Nate Alex. Welcome, Nate. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be exciting talking to you again. It's been, been a while. So I have interviewed you previously, I think it was for NFTs dot what the fuck, um, really about your notoriety as a kind of collector. Um, I re- met you, I don't know, like a year and a bit ago when you were working with uh, Jimmy over at NFT42, where you were kind of building out a lot of their smart contract functionality. Um, but uh, of course, I'm regularly exposed to your daily shit posting on, <laughs> on, on Twitter. And so I guess that's that's part of the description, right? You're, a, you're kind of shit poster extraordinaire nft collector i know you kind of used to be a bit more of a flipper in the early day you had kind of rivalry with pranksy um but you're also a founder creator coder all-rounder right yeah i think that's 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 pretty accurate i mean i would say um i'm definitely not the best at any of those things or even really good at some of them but i do all of them and some of them i i've done at a decently high level so um you know shit posting probably being one of my top skills and then <laughs> um you know collecting is something i'm still learning a little bit because i've been known for like massive paper handing like epically like leaving you know 5000 ether on the table and shit like that but i am now able to take a little bit different approach and you know being busier and pulled in so many directions makes it where sometimes it's like laziness like i'll buy something and be like well i Oh, well, I don't have time to list it or figure out the market. And then I'll circle back two months later and, and I'll be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. Like, so the strategy has changed a little bit, but. I think you're being humble there, right? I mean, I know, I know firsthand that your, your coding skills are pretty exceptional, arguably, you know, top decile globally. Um, <laughs> and, you know, as far as NFT collecting goes, you, you've done all right, right? So uh, you've, uh, you've definitely given yourself a good amount of financial freedom. So congratulations on all that. But, you know, we've covered all that before. If you would love to learn more about Nate, which you totally should, then um, just search out previous uh, episodes, interviews that I've done with him over on the NFTs.org podcast. But this is the better of the show. And the reason why uh, I've got you on now is chainfacearena.com. So I've kind of been watching it on the periphery I uh, was just chatting with you off air that I'm incredibly busy at the moment with Outlier, operationally we're growing, et cetera, et cetera. And I've kind of seen this thing happening. It looks cool. It looks weird. It looks complicated. And so I've just not been able to like have the the mental bandwidth time to kind of really delve into it. But I know, A, it's you doing it, so it's going to be highly innovative. There's going to be lots of like, new things being tried out and i'm sure lots of brilliant learnings that other creators founders can 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 benefit from um but also it's been a huge success by like most measures right so uh, and the kind of people that have been in, engaged with it also kind of speak volumes to to what's going on over there because you know it's kind of had the great and the good get very active and i kind of see a lot of my network uh, through their tweets you know as they've kind of participated in it so 
what the fuck is Chain Face <laughs> Arena and why should we care? Okay. Um, yeah, let me so let me start off with one thing real quick. So it is uh, it's chainfacesarena.com. Oh, and the only reason oh. that I bring it up is because somebody actually stole chainfacearena.com and tried to launch a scam project on there. So oh, no. <laughs> be a little oh, wary shit. on there. So yeah, it's chainfaces with the S uh, arena.com. I mean, really now most of the fun is done and we've moved at least for that particular project into more collectorville. Um, you know, we are building SP 1.1, which is, well, well, I guess now we've leaked the name is chain faces HD, which will be an aesthetic, uh, professionally illustrated upgrade of your chain faces. But yeah. So anyways, I, I, I didn't mean to get there just yet. I, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, you mentioned sort of like the visibility of, around it and um, sort of maybe some of the success that it's had. And I think largely I agree with, well, actually, no, let me, let me talk about it first because I haven't even said what it is and what, why it's yeah, give, give cool. us like the very, the, the very like high level, what it is. And I guess what, what motivated you to do it, right? Cause you could be doing a million things right now and, and why that. Okay. Yeah. So with, Chainfaces Arena. So let's let's go back to the end of last year. I was feeling kind of stagnant, um, and I wanted to build this innovation studio. Is what I was calling it. And in my mind, I had this really like idealistic, like, man, you know what? Devs are are the the fucking heroes. I, I'm going to build a super team of five or six awesome developers that I've built in my network over the few years, and we'll be the whole team. And we won't need anybody else. And like, so this is, I, I say that I'll circle back to why that's kind of funny in a minute. But um, anyways, that started in November for me. And I started working with a, a developer and we were building what at the time was uh, Secret Project 1, which now is Secret Project 2, because it got passed in the development cycle by Chain Faces Arena. Um, Kane had reached out to me and I had already been building the arena as well. Um, Really, on the other project, we were more into like front end design, and and we were on that stage. Whereas, Chain Faces Arena was still proof of concept level. And when Kane like hit me up, I I was like, hey, would you want to work on Chain Faces Arena with me? Because you know, yeah, I'd love to have you be part of our super team. And then he just like crushed it. Like he just um he just moved so fast that it passed you know where we were with the other project in the in the dev cycle. So. Anyways, the motivation behind it was like, I want to put out cool shit because everybody else, not everybody, but a large percentage of the NFT creator community is only focused on putting a cute picture or a cool looking picture on a token. And that's it. Like, and then pumping and dumping the shit or like hyping people up. And they're really trying to control and create like supply demand mismatches. So the floor goes up. So people talk about it and they're not doing anything innovative. Um, I mean, that's just as a fact. Everybody knows it. If they even like, I've heard a number of people from chain faces arena be like, Oh my, I didn't even realize NFTs could do stuff like this. I didn't even realize this was possible. So really chain faces arena, what the motivation was and wh what I wanted to do was create this sort of mini game added deflationary pressure on the collection. So, um, and that was like at the high level, what I wanted to see, how is this going to play out? What will happen if your NFT dies in the arena? What, what happens when I, I believe 13 or 12,775 chain faces died in the arena. They, they can't be traded. They can't be withdrawn. They're just gone. Um, and they've been moved to a graveyard contract, which is 
public domain. And it's a new idea that I, I wanted to explore and talk about a little bit too. But really, the, the core idea was, let's build this like giant game of chicken or giant game of Russian roulette where everybody is in this arena and all you're trying to do is outlast other people. And we'll incentivize it with ether. But more importantly than that, we'll showcase a dynamic upgrading in real time art, if you will, which is the scars being generatively created and applied on chain to the faces. Right. Um, so, you know, I thought that we brought some cool elements to this project, some things that were, um, if they were explored at all before, they were still underexplored or, you know, I, I don't know of anything like this. I mean, I don't know the full scope of the NFT space anymore. So I, I'm not saying that we were the first to do any of these things. I'm just saying we were possibly the first ones to do any of them at scale. Um, and, you know, we wanted to just see how that how that worked out. And then from that, we're building the secret project team brand, which, you know, circling back to my original vision of all developer team is like now like silly as fuck. I'm like, no, like <laughs> we need operational people. We need community team. Like I didn't realize how uh, hard it would be to manage, you know, this size of interest and this, you know, this kind of load. But yeah, but anyways, we're building that team out. We've made some strategic hires. We're going to continue to push out cool projects. And with Chainfaces Arena in particular, you know, we we had kind of thought that the deflationary aspect would put more pressure on the market and that it would result in a, you know, a stronger uh, market, which it really didn't because a lot of people treated it like maybe a throwaway ticket. Maybe they didn't, the, the art didn't resonate with them. I mean, it did to some, but not to everybody. So that's why we're building. We're like, we need to strengthen that brand before we do our next big innovation project. That's not to say that Chainfaces HD won't be um, innovative. I mean, there are some neat things going on there. There might be like 15 or 20 contracts. Like it, it is actually, despite being in number 1.1, a minor revision, it's actually a major project in and of itself. And so obviously, um, in the work that you've done with Jimmy in the past, NFT42, you were also involved in Avastars, again, like highly innovative project, right? And um, I know you guys have always kind of collectively and individually been very open in how you experiment, right? It's not like you've kind of done things in the shadows, you know, you've kind of gone away and built things privately, You've kind of done generally done things out in the open. You've kind of shared your learnings, and and I kind of get the sense that whenever you do something, you treat it like an experiment. You're not trying to convince people that this is going to be it. It's going to be the final thing, and it's going to be amazing. It's kind of like, look, we're gonna we're gonna carry out an experiment, a social experiment, and and you can play with it if you want, right? Is that is that the kind of mindset? Yeah, I will say that that has uh, traditionally been my mindset with all the projects that I've launched. Um, I actually think that I we may be pivoting out of that a little bit with the secret project oh. team going forward because we have the resources, we have the skill set, um, we have everything in place to do really polished projects going forward. I expect SP 1.1 is going to come out and people will go, oh, wow, this is a lot better than anything that, that Nate has put out before. So I... Or that's my that's my hope and that's my expectation with some of the hires that we've been making. Um, but yeah, but before this, I never considered myself to be the final rendition, like ultra polished guy. I just wanted to be the guy to introduce a new concept and then have other people get inspired by it and build upon it. So 
Um, you know, for example, let's say when I did um, Squiggly WTF, like a number of people went on that were kind of inspired by that project to create their own projects. And, and they, you know, directly had told me like we were inspired by that. It, and even if they weren't in a similar theme or similar vein, and even if Squiggly WTF isn't really that popular or well-known now, it influenced some people who are, you know, uh, one I would name drop is uh, Snowfro. I mean, he was building art blocks already, so I don't take any credit for inspiring him to build that. But it, he had told me like, you know, this was kind of what motivated me to finish art blocks. Be like, okay, shit, man, there is interest. There's, the timing is good. There's appetite for generative art on chain projects. Let's like fucking do this. And, you know, it helped him basically finalize that and finish it and get it pushed out the door. I talked to him through a couple small mechanics with him on it, but he, you know, he largely had it done. He just hadn't shipped it. And I, I think that kind of thing, you know, obviously art blocks is bigger than anything that I've ever done by, you know, magnitudes. But um, my hope is that I can inspire more people like that and I can continue to build my own things. And eventually, hopefully I can have, you know, build up to that sort of level of prestige. Yeah. And so, so it's interesting you're taking a different approach to like what, how you've historically done it. And, you know, I, I guess there's just more eyeballs on, on, on what you're doing now, right? Because previously when we first met, you know, you, you guys were very deep pioneers in the NFT space, very well known in a relatively small kind of circle, right? Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, 12, 18 months on from when I first kind of met you, the NFT space looks nothing like it did um, back then, right? There's just every major brand on the planet. If they're in media, entertainment, sports, whatever it is, they're all piling in. Um, how much has that changed how you do what you do? Is, is you know, How much has that informed now going into kind of stealth secret projects? How much has that informed this kind of vision to scale beyond yourself to, you know, this studio and a startup. So I will say like my original vision for secret project team, and it wasn't even called that originally, but I didn't really have the bones. I, or I had sort of a general idea of what I want to do is grab all these innovative developers. I know, put them on a super team and build the coolest shit and have everybody, you know, maybe it takes a few months or even a year or whatever, or, or longer to get people understanding what we're doing. But eventually everybody, ideally, not everybody, but a lot of people will be going, oh shit, what they're doing is cool. Let's copy that. Um, the same way that like, let's say Bored Apes came out and sort of introduced this idea of being cool, if you will, and being real world cool and like having, I hate to just call it like a hype brand because that sounds superficial, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Like they're... Uh, I don't know. They're, they're like a luxury brand. And, and, you know, like there are so many other projects. It's a crossover brand. Like it's, it's kind of mainstreamed um, NFT culture and it, it, in a way that's kind of popularized it, right? And whether you look at that as a, a luxury brand or something else, it, it's definitely, it was a breakthrough moment for the industry. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, and they've been able to inspire tons of copycats and tons of brands that just try to follow their formula because there's so many dollars signs behind that formula. 
Um, and I just didn't want to do that. I didn't want to compete with them. I didn't want to compete with other brands that were doing that at a high level also. So I wanted to tackle this and, you know, again, it'll take time, but months from now, we're running this race for six months at that point. And then other teams are going, Oh shit. Like these guys are making a lot of money and they're like leading the industry in a different direction. And my hope is that our projects will be more engaging than just simply talking about what the floor price is. Like, um, so like, so let's say the final night of the arena, we did a voice chat for the last like four or five hours, which is only like the last 20 faces. So at the 20 face mark, I think we were about at like seven ether, a bounty per face. So the stakes were, were already decently high here. Um, so, you know, every time a round would end, somebody would die and had have just lost $15,000. And then from that, the bounty would go up and the odds of you dying in the next round go from one in 20 to one in 19. And that played out over the course of hours. And, you know, some of us were in voice chat, just like drinking and laughing and like, just like coming up with our own little storylines. Uh, there was, there was a guy in there, Kodo, that started, that entered the arena with one face. He only bought one face and entered with it. And he just degened his way all the way into the top three. Like he, he cashed out $80,000 and then it became the final round because it was one-on-one -on -one, uh, Tweety and the Bears Deluxe. And either of them could have taken 80,000, but they both rolled the dice that final round. Tweety died, left 80 grand on the table and the Bears Deluxe took home the grand prize of 160 grand. So, um, you know, it's like the stakes were super high. We were all like cheering it on and shit. Like it was, it was a really cool experience that, you just don't really get that with other NFTs. There's not, you know, and it's hard to like really share what it was like to be there. It's really like you had to be there moment, but um, it was, it was enjoyable to just be part of that chat and be part of that sort of history. And, and my plan is every project we create has something like that where people are going, Oh man, this was really fucking cool when this happened or when that happened. And you know, we're not focused on having NFTs that are a hundred ether floor. I mean, if that ever happens then then fucking great, but that's not our focus and that's not what I want to talk about. And that's not what's interesting or, or what I care about. Yeah, so it sounds like there's this kind of focus on experiences, right? The social experiences, the community elements. I mean, would you call that play to earn? Is this like a, a version of play to earn or is it something different? No, I wouldn't call it play to earn, um, especially... So with like, let's say with Chainface's arena, this is just one, the arena mechanic itself is just one idea of many, many ideas that we have. We already had slated out uh, Secret Project 2, which is was going to be the first one. So it was pretty far in the development cycle already. Um, and then Secret Project 3 is more at the conceptual stage, but the idea is there. Um, and, you know, the the thing is, is that there's so much low hanging fruit because nobody is really tackling this space and nobody... Not nobody. I, I, I need to quit using words like that because there are a handful of people that are doing it and that are just inspiring as shit to me Like that they keep doing that despite how much easier it would be for them to just follow a formula and make money that way and, and gain influence that way. Like you could, you literally could just hire a good artist, drop a 10K PFP and then run your operations at a decently high level, you know, and your and network really strong and you know, you've, you've built something that everybody loves you for and you haven't pushed the space forward in any way, in, in my opinion, but you know, who cares? You made a lot of money and, and you've gained a lot of influence. But again, 
I just don't think that that moves the space forward, really. I think that innovation and trying to do things a little different and, and possibly failing. Um, you mentioned earlier about Shane Faces Arena, how it's been a success in, in most levels. And while I would agree that we largely learned the things we wanted to, um, you know, it was a financial success for the team and it's going to keep us in business and, and running and, and producing more content. Um, you know, a lot of people did seem to enjoy it. And then, you know, a, a decent number of people seemed to hate it as well. So there, there were some failures there. And, you know, I, I look back and I regret some of the decisions that I made and, and some of the things and some of the design things. But, you know, I think it was more important that we tried to do something differently. And so what are the, what are the, you know, you talk about kind of moving space forward, what type of innovation, obviously I don't want you to have to give away, you know, features or whatever of the next secret projects, although feel free to drop alpha if you feel so inclined. <laughs> okay, well, um, well, how long? <laughs> but, but you know, like what, what are the, what are the, what are the things you want to see people doing more of in terms of innovation with smart contracts and NFTs? Okay. So well, when will this come out actually? Let me, let me ask that before I share too much alpha. Um, well, how about this? We can let it come out at the right time for this alpha to be released. How about that? Ooh, okay. So by the time you're listening to this listener, you know, we'll, 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 uh, we'll be the appropriate time. So alpha, <laughs> alpha away. But you okay, can also speak in general terms as well. I mean, I think, I think it'd be good to get some general principles from you and then, and then, you know, some specifics about how you're going to be rolling things out. It'd be great too. Okay. Um, so, I mean, just in a specific standpoint, I think that I want to move away from, I really think that the space, so there's this idea of scarcity within NFT collections and in like a newer, a noob's mind, they look at it and think, okay, 10,000 NFTs, that's the scarcity. And like, no, it's, it's not like scarcity actually doesn't matter. The collection size actually doesn't matter that much. And we've fought with this with Chain Faces Arena where people say, oh, there's, 26,969 NFTs. That's way too many. That's never going to moon. And then I would counter it and say, well, the Bored Apes universe is 40,000 NFTs. That's more. And all of their NFTs are valuable. It has, you know, maybe it's easier to ramp up by starting with a small collection size and then growing it. But for us, we've started large, we've built our initial community, and then we will you know, not dilute chain faces anymore by releasing more We're like SP 1.1 is non-dilutive. You can upgrade it, but it, it takes your, your original face to upgrade it. So the collection size is still the same. So we grow the universe by building a new relationally, a new brand that's the same universe, but it doesn't dilute the brand by adding more NFTs. So we create more demand even, and we keep the supply the same versus having supply demand at one level and then creating a new supply demand chain and then working it in that way. I, I, I guess I just That's say this. Trend, isn't it? The, the trend is yes. you do a Genesis drop and then at varying degrees of frequency, you continue to uh, allow the holders of that Genesis NFT, whether they bought it in the primary or the secondary market to then access future drops. Um, and, and that's kind of the model today. We've not really seen any innovations beyond that. So you're proposing something different. Yes. And, you know, it's not, I think the doodles that with their space doodles project are doing something a little different. And that's why I have aligned with them. And I consider them, you know, probably our top ally in the space. And they run operations at a really high level, probably as high as anybody 
outside of maybe the Board Apes team. And then they also are p- competing in the innovation space. So I guess in a way, they're maybe a rival to us there. But I also expect because of our relationship, there'll be some cross-pollination of ideas and you know, like Poopy and I will meet up and we'll chat for an hour and we'll talk through what's feasible and what's not being explored and how we can be different and how we don't want to follow the model. I, I love that he is on that same mindset as me. And I imagine it's because we come from four plus years of background and friendship and talking about this shit every fucking day. We know that eventually this whole drop 10K PFP with a picture and then launch this massive roadmap, we know exactly where that trail ends. And so do you, if you've been involved in this space for more than four years and you've seen the ICO path, that's exactly what's going on now. Um, And people know that. They follow the hype, they jump into these projects and they just ride the momentum and they cash out when it starts losing momentum. And then you get bag holders who will hold this shit down 99% over the next three years while some LARP ass team never completes any of the big things on their roadmap. Like launching t-shirts is fucking easy. So that's not a roadmap, you know, milestone in my mind saying that you're going to launch a metaverse experience in Q3 and your only qualifications is cloning an NFT contract. It just doesn't give me any, you know, real confidence they can do this shit. So what's, what's next? What's the, what's the the new model or, or, or different potential pathways that projects can can explore and and where you're going to hopefully inspire and I guess here feel free to give some alpha. <laughs> so I mean for us, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I, I don't know where this space will go. I just pretty strongly believe that the strongest brands, let's say two years from now, will be brands that are innovating and playing around with the stuff that say we're doing or the doodles are doing now. In two years, these brands that are still like literally some shit teams a year from now will still be launching 10k pfps doing the same thing still pumping and dumping them but at a much smaller scale with way less interest um the teams that are doing what we're doing not that our team necessarily will win but teams that start doing what we're doing i think will stand out as the strongest brands i mean you know it's a little frustrating to me to see like let's just say with chain faces arena we built a mini game that 9,000 people joined on day one. And yes, it was a super simple idle game. You, you literally join the arena, then it started, and then X number of faces would die per round until it got down to like the final 2,000. And then it was only one face per round. And then the round lasted 69 blocks or about 15 minutes. So that was the whole game. And you just last, you'd wake up in the morning check your face and you'd be like, yes, I'm still alive. And oh, fuck, do I want to do this again? Or do I want to give up? But it was an, you know, engaging maybe isn't the right word, but it was not the same experience. I I guarantee a year from now, if you ask somebody, hey, which project do you remember from January 2022? Uh, Is it Chain Faces Arena or was it Scroodle Dog Ducks or whatever? Like the thing is, is, you know, the answer is obvious there. Um, and, you know, regardless of how either of those markets have performed up to this date, it doesn't really matter. We're going, we've already shown we've got some technical muscle and we're going to be able to outperform these teams that are lying, really. Um, so what's, what, what's, what's, what's the difference, right? So is it that you're allowing for you know, different levels of interaction and interactivity that's possible? Is it that you're changing the kind of 
life cycle of an NFT? Uh, or is it that you're kind of, you know, through mini games or mini experiences, uh, you know, kind of building, uh, building a kind of a new type of NFT franchise via the aggregate effect of all of these mini games? Is, is, what, what's, what's different? They won't all be mini games, but I think what's different is that it just is it just is different. There's so the normal model, you launch a 10K profile project or whatever, you do a whole lot of marketing and you try to make sure that the shit's oversubscribed. And then once it launches, it starts pumping. And then at that point, this is the normal model again then you just LARP about what you're going to do. And usually, you know, teams, oh, we're going to do an airdrop of this. So that's literally doing the same thing, but it's free because they just airdrop it. There's no innovation really being brought there. I don't know how that, I don't know how that keeps people interested, let's say a year from now, versus what we're doing, you know, so let's just say SP2. Um, There's going to be this sort of massive, uh, you know, I haven't leaked this at all, so uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm ready to let me Come let me on. see if I can do it generic do it. enough. <laughs> do it. Like I, there's going to be a lot of artists involved with SP2. Let me put it that way. There's going to be some storylines that exist that come out of SP2 that have never existed before. There's there's going to be sort of this open um, commissioning, if you will, marketplace. There's Uh, dynamic updating of tokens. There's some things that are going on here that again, have never existed. So there will be people who've been in the NFT space for two months that will see this and go, holy shit. Like I I just didn't even know you could do that thing. And that's what we're trying to do is create that same level of what? I didn't even know you could do that. And that's not because it's been never explored before, but that's because maybe it hasn't been explored at this scale. Um, I mean, as far as I know, SP2 is a totally original idea. I don't know of anything else like it. But um, I I think that that is going to create a deeper level of interest. I remember, let's just say, let's go back to CryptoKitties 2018. The people who were still alive, were still in the space at the end of 2018, were genuinely interested in the technology. You had to be at that point because you lost 80% of your net worth in Ether the whole fucking year long. So like that was the only people left. And those people are the ones who now are largely leaders and founders in the space, the people who cared and gave a shit. So we're appealing to those people. Those people go on to create big experiences. And then we were maybe or helped inspire them and and start their journey there. We want, you know, to create sort of that. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, sort of the way that, that I put it out there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's like, I kind of get it. And I think, you know, looking at how people begin to create the social experiences around NFTs, as you say, there's a lot of NFTs, which are basically just, you, you keep in your wallet. Maybe you'll display uh, in a slightly creative way in, in a gallery, possibly, but largely just your OpenSea profile page. Um, and that's it. You know, it's something you just hold and you're assuming, hoping goes up in value versus like hardcore games, which require a lot of churn. And there's a, you know, there's a reasonable criticism 
of certain play to earn games that they no longer become fun, right? The kind of earn mechanic is too intense um, for for it to actually be fun in, in the context of what you would normally expect a game to be. And so I guess there's something in between all that, right? There is something that can be fun, that can have social dynamic, that can allow for interaction, you know, between multiple parties. Um, but at the same time, you know, allow us to have, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing these secret projects, the NFT that you've got will also be some way of representing yourself, right? It's, it's it, does it, does it also form part of your identity? How do you consider these assets or, or creative assets? So here is something that I think, I think that it could be if you, you know, enjoy it enough there. I mean, there's some people that are using chain faces with scars as their uh, profile pic. What's funny, I've seen one of the funniest ones is when a face dies in the arena, the whole background turns red. So that's how you can visually tell that he's dead. And and nobody owns it at that point because it lives in the graveyard contract. But some people still rock their red faced, like dead chain face. Like I just think that's funny as shit, even though they don't even own it. Um, they did and then it died. And but it's, you know, it's, that's part of the public domain thing. Anybody can use any of those faces at this point and, you know, whatever. But um, I, I think uh, what we're what we're like trying to create here is, you know, these experiences and however they tie into the NFTs and the attachments that people create with them. I know that some people, you know, they pulled out their chain face. They made a deep run into the top 100 and they feel like they have earned their rarity there because the arena score exists. The scars visually express the, the arena score. Um, and they feel like, well, I don't, if I had died in the arena, I wouldn't really want to own somebody else's. It's like buying their gold medal. I want my own gold medal. And we've created that deeper level of maybe attachment, even though, you know, the market hasn't really shown that or shown a huge preference for that. I mean, some, I think one of the, the, higher ranked uh, arena score faces sold for one ether last night. But uh, generally, you know, we haven't seen a huge premium there. And I think it's because it was too far of a leap visually. Like if we, when we do SP 1.1, which is professionally illustrated upgrade, um, the, the symbols will map over. So like, let's say maybe an, like the mustache looking chain face symbol, maybe it just is a mustache in the next collection, but it will be visually closer to, you know, a more typical uh, profile picture project. So hopefully that will capture that crowd. They'll be able to express themselves with those NFTs per the way that they're used to NFTs working. But everybody who participated in CFA will be like, now nah, I know why he's got that bruise under his eye because he had a 42 um, arena score or whatever. Like, right. I mean, I guess that's interesting in that, um, so on the one hand, you know, if, if you put like price aside in the secondary market, you know, how, how other people might value something. So on the one hand, because people are actively engaging with this NFT in this context is the battle, but presumably you could do them through story arcs or whatever else, that um, they, you're creating a deeper attachment to the NFT and you know presumably it it feels more personal um the kind of the, the journey of the nft mirrors somehow the journey of the owner um at the same time i guess that makes it less interesting 
to another person, right? Because it feels so wedded to, to its original owner. Um, unless, unless they're following the overall story and this is kind of like a key moment or a key character, a key, a key player in that story. And, and therefore it's part of the, the, the kind of provenance of, of the, of the meta story. And so it's really interesting to see how people will value that, you know, these highly personal, highly engaged NFTs. Exactly. Like, and you know, and nobody knows how that will work. So with SP2, I'll say another element that comes in here because there are going to be ton, like a lot of artists. I don't know, a hundred, 200. Well, I don't really know how many will, will participate, but that will be a big part of it. And I want to break away from this idea of the floor is this thing that matters because it does matter in the context of some collections because that's all they have. For us, it doesn't really matter. And especially in SP2, that will be extremely true. And I, I already fucking know that I'm going to have to fight this shit because one of the dynamics that we've created in SP2 means if you take sort of the lowbrow route, you can walk away with, it, with an instant small profit um, and that will put pressure on the market. And so I'm still trying to think of how to design that out, but I haven't really figured it out yet. But if you take that sort of lowbrow route and a bunch of people do, then you've kind of all fucked each other and you're all, you're all screwed there. But at the same time, if you produce a high quality piece with, ah, there's no way for me to say this without giving away all this shit. No, Damn it. Like, it. <laughs> I'm trying to be super ambiguous because I, I think even if I explain this idea concisely, people would still be a little lost. So maybe it's okay. But if you collectively work and you get a high quality piece, even if the floor is, let's say, below mint, your piece is still worth many, many multiples of it. And you created that with somebody else. So it's kind of, but, you know, again, noobs and, and people who are not very knowledgeable in this space that only focus on the floor, they, they take that and that can kill your momentum bad. Like, let's say even with the arena, we had a bad dynamic that I didn't, I didn't realize, honestly, because I just totally whiffed on it. I, in my mind, let's say we had launched chain faces. We had enormous demand. Like we were, we hit number one on gas, even though we had an open public mint, like it was fucking really high demand. Um, so if we had done nothing, we didn't do the, re if we didn't do the reveal and we just let people trade them up, and then if we had done the reveal and then like, we're not going to start the arena for two weeks, the floor, if that's all you give a shit about, could have been much higher before we started the arena because we had a supply demand imbalance, a big one. Um, but then we launched the arena, which had the ether in it. So it created this dynamic where you could join the arena, assuming you, if you were a whitelist mentor and you had extremely low gas that you minted at, you could join the arena, leave in the first round, claim the first round bounty. Now you can list it below the initial mint cost, right? Right. Because you've, you've gained the bounty. So an instant profit. And then once you do that, now you've created a downward spiral because the bounty is going up. So you can list it for lower. And that, that played out through the arena, especially in the earlier rounds where more people were leaving. They would pull out of the arena. They'd take their bounty. They'd list it below the floor and they would get out. And, you know, that, that put a lot of pressure on the market. Um but that didn't affect, let's say, the price of symmetrical faces, or maybe it did a little bit because they're a multiple of the floor, but they still, I believe, are above one ether each. Um, you know, I mean, the collection as a whole performed quite well. The 
crappiest faces, the the ones with very few scars or with no scars at all performed terribly because the downward spiral dynamic. And that's when I talk about failures. I think that that was one of the biggest failures. I wish that I had designed the arena in a way where you had to stay in for 500 rounds before you could claim shit. And, you know, that would help eliminate some of those, you know, quicker minded or like quicker profiteers. Yeah. But I guess, you know, you're, again, it's a learning, right? I wouldn't call it a failure. And again, I, I appreciate the spirit in which it's done. Um, and it's kind of highly innovative and experimental way. Um, so look, we're coming up on, on the, the, the 45 minutes. Um, and I'm taking you into territory where, uh, you've really just got to tell us everything for it to, <laughs> to make sense. Um, so how about this? Let's circle back once this is all out again, like, I just wanted to catch up with you, see what you're doing. You know, we're working with a lot of NFT projects at the moment. I know you'll be very inspirational to them. So I wanted to kind of get you on their, on their radar. And then also a lot of other people that come into space because more definitely can be done, should be done. And I think it's going to be people like you that will lead the way. So um, Nate, good to catch up with you, man. Good luck with everything. Uh, really looking forward to you dropping these, these new projects. They sound epic and um, keep up the good work. Awesome, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's uh, it's been fun. I, I love talking about this shit. I love feeling like so re-energized and so much passion to just fucking just do this shit. Like I, it's it's awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. All right, thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web three.